This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hi. Good morning. All right. We're going to do this. Um, We are talking today about enmeshment in family systems, Mm. how to unlearn the you know, unhealthy forms of enmeshment that can happen while still honoring and holding space for, you know, there, there is a time and a place and a space where we can identify with our family's, you know, like collective identity. Right. I'm going to go ahead. I pulled up my little computer for those watching. I'm going to just go ahead and describe um, the definition of enmeshment. Okay. So this is, this is a little tricky, um, because some people have heard this, some people like, maybe Mm -hmm. this is a new term for people. Um, but a good overview is it's a psychological term that describes a blurring of boundaries between people, which are typically family members. The reason why we typically find it in families is because um, that's a very simplistic term, but blurring of boundaries is um, when enmeshment gets so powerful, the blurred boundaries become, they're they're no longer seen. You can't see the differential between where one family member starts and the other person begins. It's actually very difficult for people to make individual decisions outside of the construct of, well, I need to run that by my sibling Mm -hmm. or my brother or my partner or my dad, right? Like, it's like, well, everything becomes so blended that people don't get their individual, um, they don't get their individual decision or their individual autonomy respected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think one of the things we were talking about is a kind of like primary major source of, uh, enmeshment oftentimes comes from parents who use this phrase. If, if this phrase was used towards you as a child on um, trigger warning, because <laughs> it's a big one, um, your behavior is a reflection of me. Um, so you go out there in the world and anything you do or say is going to reflect badly on me, right? This parents often say this to their kids. And they think it's like a way to motivate their kids to be upstanding and make good choices. Um, but really what it does is it sets the groundwork and a foundation for the child to base, like to prioritize other people's feelings and perceptions over their own experience or needs or whatever with themselves. Absolutely. I think that's the thing is like, it's, it's this constant conversation internally that you're sitting there thinking, am I allowed to just freely move, freely make decisions, or is every single decision anchored to let's just say in these case, like parents, right? Like if I want to go to college, but they want me to go to this college, like how do I make that decision? Because they want me to be this person, but I want to be this person, right? It's that decision where you're like, 
having to choose between autonomy and honestly, like alliance to the family system, which in some families, this is what, this is what's tricky about this is that some families like this type of dynamic can kind of come out whether or not like someone's like overtly trying to like just for the nature of the, the sociological construct of a family, right. You want to be unified. Right. So I have people say like, well, I could have moved away, but like, I just chose not to. Right. And that's where it's very difficult when you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, was that your choice or was that forced on you? Or was this like an unsaid thing where they were like, you know, manipulating you into that? So it's kind of this like very difficult moment for especially like young adults into adulthood when you're trying to delineate, you know, who you are versus who you are in the family. It's like the nature of those questions that I just asked, like, was it forced? Was it manipulated? Was there any type of coercion? Were there any statements like, you moving away is like the worst thing you could ever do for the family. Oh my God. I wish I could like highlight that. If anyone's listening, highlighter brain. Okay. For the family, it's like, you're going to do this for the family. You're going to not do this for the family. I hear a lot of, um, or even to the family. I hear that. Like, how could you do this to me? How could you do that to your grandmother? You know, she's you know, she's getting old. You're going to move away from her in her final years. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Let's change four to two because two, you're doing this to the, well, I guess it's like, which, which, you know, like you hear it 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 both ways. Yeah. If I'm hurting them, you're doing it to the family. If you're doing it, you got to do it for us. Right. You gotta, you gotta make money for the family. It's like, Oh God, you know, it's like everything it's, it can be twisted if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I actually heard an example recently where this one person had, um, uh, unfortunately that's like a very toxic family member, but the family member was like getting like, I don't know, something, someone was like attacking their name or trying to like hurt them or whatever. Um, and I don't mean like physically, they were like trying to like psychologically mess with them or something. And they came back to the family and they're like, can you believe they did this to us? Mm -hmm. And like the person I was talking with, they were like, what? Like, like literally like that didn't happen to me. Right. But it's so profoundly linked to that concept of if somebody hurts me, they're hurting all of us. And in reality, that might, that's not true. Like, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, that's not necessarily true. It just means that the structure of the psychology behind this is you want it to be true. You Mm -hmm. want that. If someone attacks me, you're going to attack all of us. Right. And it's right. like, there's something to be said about like me and UCA. Okay. If someone hurts you, would right. I want to defend you? Sure. Right. Sure. But it is, we are not so linked that if someone attacks you, like, you know, in like an, in, in like, you know, in social media or something where I don't get the choice to be like, okay, let me use my autonomy and say, is this something that I want to get involved in? Right. But when someone doesn't, that's it. Blurred lines. It's the enmeshment, right? Mm -hmm. If you feel as though, no, I don't get a choice. I have to engage whether or not I agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. Then you lost autonomy. 
So I want to talk about loyalty because I, I think a lot of family systems create a, a real sense of like healthy camaraderie and loyalty amongst one another. Right. And then other system, other families sort of force it's like forced loyalty. So in that situation, it's going to come down to who is initiating that defending of the person who got hurt. Right. So if, you know, somebody attacks your cousin on social media, um, you, if you feel a real sense of connection and camaraderie with them, you may initiate jumping into their defense and reaching out and saying, Hey, what can I do? How can I help? Like, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? And like, you actually like you initiate it because you care about them versus now the family text is blowing up and saying, everybody needs to go to so-and-so's Instagram page and make sure that you do da 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 da. And you're like being told you're being directed to perform loyalty because that's what we do. Um, and eat, like you said, and you don't get a choice about whether or not you even like agree with the thing that you're supposed to be. <laughs> Let's see, this is actually where enmeshment can become so uh, misunderstood, right? Where someone hears that and they're like, well, what about family loyalty? Isn't that something like, isn't that to be, you know, shouldn't we actually value that in some way? Mm-hmm. And we're not. <laughs> What we're not saying is we're, we're, we're not speaking in absolutes. We're not black or white thinkers in this podcast. So it's like your morality is still in play here. It's just asking the question autonomously. So what you would do is if someone was really, really in trouble and you really felt it was like valiant to actually defend them, like CA just said, we're not saying throw the idea of loyalty out the window. It's Mm -hmm. ask question that's it we're just asking you hey is this actually autonomous or is this this old theme that got taught to you from a child like from your since childhood that's saying Mm -hmm. I impulsively can't ask if I should defend this person because I have to right and you see this actually in intimate partnerships this is actually kind of scary because intimate partnerships can work so much faster than child parent mm-hmm. relationships right mm-hmm. when you see enmeshment in intimate partnerships so you know your spouse or anyone you've dated it, it's if it starts getting fast and someone literally starts blurring the lines right away you see this a lot in intimate partnerships they're like you hurt me you get me right or you hurt her mm-hmm. you get me you hurt him you're gonna get me and it's like yeah. nobody asked the question like wait can we get the full story because if you're acting in a place of like you don't got you don't have the whole story you're now being like sucked into this person's life, whether or not you get the full story, right? So this is where people are like, well, I didn't realize I was even defending someone who was this toxic. I didn't know that. I didn't know my friend was that bad. And I go, some of this is due to enmeshment, blurring of the boundaries. Like we're besties, right? It's like, well, how long have you known that person? Or Mm. are you my ride or die? Are we going to be together forever? Like, and you just started Mm -hmm. dating like two weeks ago. It's like, I don't know if I know you very well. Like, genuinely, I don't know. And I, so I can't really like, I can't jump when you say jump just because we had an initial like connection in the beginning. 
You know, you saying jump when you say jump reminded me of another um, phrase that I think is said in um, certain fam- certain families that can uh, lead to this, this like over, you know, this forced loyalty. And this is the phrase. I say jump, you say how high. Yes. That is a phrase that I have heard people say, and that is typically happen in family structures that have a very strong, either matriarch or patriarch doesn't matter. I, in this situation, I do not think gender matters because some families are based on a really strong patriarch and some on a really strong matriarch. And they both will use that phrase. And it comes down to the head honcho is the one that makes all the decisions for this family. And you will always bow to whatever that authority figure in your family structure is saying. And if they, there's a call to action, you, your only response is yes. And how fast can I do it? How good can I do it? What else? Give me all the details. And you have no choice, but to perform loyalty. Right. Right. That's what I think is so sad is that they anchor that concept of, you know, when you're jumping, it's like, well, I'm going to anchor how valuable I think you are to me by how loyal you show up into what I'm asking you to do, right? You actually see it in like, I know this is funny, but you see it in like crime movies, like show me how loyal you are, right? And it's like, because what they don't want is an individual. Because if you're in a crime network, you can't be an individual. You have to jump when someone says jump. And what's Mm -hmm. so ironic is I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, it parallels crime movies. But I'm like, this is what people deal with in their everyday life. They're literally being like anchored. Well, you're the black sheep if you don't follow this line of thought and you didn't do it exactly how I want you to say it. So um, your brother was more loyal than you. So he's <laughs> going to get more inheritance or he's going to do this or he's, something like weaponized, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to show up to your kid's birthday party, mm-hmm. but like just happen to forget about your, you know, my, my other grandchild's birthday. It's like, do you right. see what I'm saying? they're weaponizing emotion. They're weaponizing Absolutely. And those examples, you know, that comes out in like the later years of, you know, when, when, once they now have adult children and that's how they'll play out like favoritism and things like that. I think it's, um, really insidious in early childhood because young children have no real understanding or concept of what is happening. They just know that they need their parents love and approval. It's like, it's actual, like instinctual need of children to be loved and accepted by their caregivers. So for many, many, many years, as you're developing an early childhood, you will just do whatever it is, is being asked of you. If that gets you love because you need it to survive, you need it for your safety. And so it's really, it's really upsetting when you watch family systems that are doing this with early, you know, like young children and you're watching this innate, like competitiveness be developed between siblings. And this is how, this is why in like narcissistic, narcissist family systems, you get all these different characters, right? Uh, you know, you've got the golden child, you've got the black sheep, you've got the scapegoat, you know, all these various different, um, things that come out because the parent creates that by using these types of idioms and phrases with their kids so regularly. And then like 
intermittently doling out affection only to the ones that are correctly adhering to the family rules as set by that matriarch or patriarch and whatever they decide that day is expected from their children. Exactly. So it's like the kids learn to associate very specific behaviors, very specific, um, you know, well, mom or dad told me to do this. And that's the only time I heard him say, I love you. Or that's the only time he ever said he was proud of me. Right. And so I will do anything to hear that again. Right. And this Mm -hmm. is what's sad is that when we're kids, it's like, when we sit there and we're like, Oh, individualized, like as children, I don't know we don't even have the capacity to do that yet. So like, this is actually really important because I think people shame their inner child for doing this. They're like, how were you so needy? When you were so needy, you do anything that mom says. You were so needy that you did anything that dad or like brother said. And you realize like, I actually think this goes back to kind of like context, kind of, um, I feel like we've talked about this in the past, but this idea of like, you're sitting there with your 20, 30, 40 year old brain. We were talking about that. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel like, didn't we mention this before? Okay. Um, and you're sitting there and you're like shaming the conceptualization or, or not conceptualization, the development of your little self. Exactly. And you're, you're putting like the, the expectations that you have for your adult self onto little you who was actually emotionally and psychologically not developed enough to see that, you know, in that way or make decisions that you can now as an adult. So this is where the unlearning part comes in. And this is where we want to speak to is, okay. So say that's the type of household you developed in and, you know, you heard a lot of those types of phrases and you saw a lot of those dynamics play out and you had the unfortunate experience of, you know, falling into some of these experience, you know, some of these roles or whatever. Now you're kind of on the other side of that. You're in your adulthood. Um, how can we move away from this toxic, these toxic forms of enmeshment Mm -hmm. and, honor our own individuality a little bit better. Right. And I think this is what, this is why you keep hearing these themes, why unlearning has so much to do with your authentic self and your autonomous self is because it's really picking apart the guilt. Sometimes it's grief or or like, you know, anger at yourself for acting a certain kind of way. And that's what I mean by like, you know, we do it to our childhood self, but like, we also do this as adults. We're like, I'm angry that, you know, I was making those decisions or doing this just because my mom or dad said so, or just because my partner told me to. Right. And it's like, first of all, you have to sit with that. You know, there's a lot of guilt, shame, grief, judgment of self. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember that. Like, that's actually why I bring these things up so much because guilt, shame, judgment are barriers to growth and grief is a, is a, literal staple of what it means. Like, I don't want to like warn people here, but like there is going to be a moment of grief in Mm -hmm. every deconstruction of self. That's where some of this is very traumatic for people. And yeah, a lot of people stop at that stage because it's so painful. So, and, and it's so scary to think about what might be beyond that you would rather not go through that death 
because you can't even conceptualize the rebirth. It's death of self. It's death, death of the the self that was anchored to the enmeshed family. And that is why that is so, I mean, I literally feel like I could get chills right now, but it's so powerful when you are facing that moment of grief. And like CA just said, if you get stuck there, you are sitting there and you're saying like, what am I supposed to do? I can't get beyond this grief because it's too powerful, but I can't go back. Right. I, I literally, I'm telling you, I'm going to speak from a place of personal growth here. I was in this stage. I literally remember getting, I was deconstructing, realizing I couldn't go back Mm. and didn't know how to go forward. And I I was like, exactly what you're talking about. I've been there too. It is. I think this is a, an experience that hopefully our listeners can relate to. I think a lot of them will, which is once you kind of like learn things, that's the, that's the, here, we're going to bring in our title one more time. Okay. Like you can't unlearn new information. And once you've heard something and you've recognized it and you start seeing it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And all of a sudden now you're sitting there and you, it's like the, you've been unplugged from the matrix, right. And you're just looking around <laughs> and you realize, Oh my gosh, I, and then you do, you get stuck and you go, okay. I, I don't want to plug back. I don't want to plug myself back into the matrix. Um, but I am definitely way too scared to get too far away from the matrix. Cause what if I can't, what if I can't live? Like, what if I can't take care I of don't myself have enough, or whatever? Right. Right. If I don't have the skills, this is why if you want to hear this is actually a really good summary, we should be like, Hey, if anyone wants a summary of what we cover, <laughs> it's a good summary of what we cover. But if you think about why we are, you know, harp on skill development. It's that when you're in a place where you feel stuck, developing certain skills in that moment is honestly how you kind of crawl out of that moment of stuckness. It's, it's you sitting there and saying, what do I, what, I know this sounds kind of like a deficit mindset, but like, you actually have to ask yourself, what do you not, what do you not have currently? Do you not have the ability to speak up for yourself? Do you not have the confidence or the self-esteem or the conviction of self right now? Like, what do you not have? Because if what you don't have is not directly like nourished and and, and in a, in, in, and flipping it into a, I'm looking at it as an opportunity to get, it's not looked at as I don't have that. And I never will. It's I don't currently have that. And I'm going to fight to make sure I develop those skills so I can be beyond this moment of stuckness. Yeah. That's really important. That is exactly it. That is what it comes down to is recognizing the version of yourself that you are moving towards becoming and becoming acquainted with that person Mm. and saying, okay, that person has a voice. That person feels confident in their choices, that person, this, that, and the other thing and saying, okay, pick one and just work on developing one of those. Truly. You don't have to shoot the moon all at once. Like that's, you know, then you get, you overwhelm yourself and you go into shutdown, but just pick one or two skills that you can slowly start building. Like that's the other thing I really want to part of like Jamie and my advocacy is all about very simple steps 
that build into huge growth. Like we're not sitting here saying, yeah, shoot the moon and fix everything overnight. It's like, no, it's, this is, these are small incremental changes that are building towards your most authentic self. And it takes time and it takes patience and self-love and self-forgiveness and all of those. So like, you know, that we're about examples. So I would say I'll like invite CA to tell an example of what it looks like for her life. But one of the things that I've been unlearning is my internal voice and how it sounds. So my internal Mm -hmm. voice for many years was very, and still is being worked on, but it's very, um, I guess deficit minded. It's like, it's like, it's not that you, it's like, you're not enough or you're not doing enough or you're not being enough. Right. And so when I hear my inner voice do that, like, what does it actually look like to employ this skill? It looks like, and CA's heard me do this where I will actually pause and I'll be like, Oh my God, my stupid brain. And I'll say that out loud sometimes. And she doesn't correct me because I mean, in theory, because we're so close, she might be like, Hey, don't talk to my friend like that. Like, I know, I know that's a joke, but that's something that sometimes people do is they're like, Hey, you're, you're, I hear that. And like, you know, but what's actually really important is that it's not anchored on somebody else. Like sure. In the beginning, if you have someone that's trying to help you through this skill, that's not necessarily wrong or anything, but Mm -hmm. what's really powerful is when you catch it. Right. So when I say, Oh my God, my stupid brain, like, I really hate that. I think like this, right. And I have verbally said out loud, "Mm, I actually really appreciate, I appreciate you. And I would like talk to myself in that way of like talking kindly to my brain. Like you do so many things for me. You are brilliant and creative. And there are times where I'm frustrated. Right. And so I'm validating that and I'm not speaking down but I'm also validating that sometimes my brain isn't working great. Right. And, but I validate that it's, it's me not speaking in absolutes to myself. It's literally unlearning that you just are bad. You are bad. You think bad. You don't operate well. Right. And whatever that came from. Sure. I'm sure that was like a mixture of cultural and all of these different norms of my childhood or whatever, but it's like, somehow that became my inner voice. Okay. So when I sit there and I try to counter that, your brain will say, well, that's different. I've never heard you talk to us like that. I've never heard our internal voice sound like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like CA just said, it is not going to happen overnight because your brain will be like, weird. Right. But anything in your life that's like weird, you usually don't like radically, like it doesn't usually radically change your vision. Right. It's more or less now you did it. And now you hear and you look for it. It's the yellow car. Look for the yellow car today, people. Yes. You'll all see a yellow car. Okay. But mm-hmm. it's the yellow car. You're going to look for those opportunities of, I heard deprecation. I heard that moment of like, not appreciating myself. And I'm going to call to action a counter skill of nourishing my own internal experience. I'm going to nourish that. Okay. So that's what we mean by like, what does it look like to be in that place and then really use a skill, an actual skill, not just like, oh, I need to be kind to myself. It's like, no, like, what does it actually look like? So I don't know if you have an idea, like, what are your thoughts on, do you have anything in your lived experience? Well, so for me, I would say that one of the best tools that I have, and I really encourage everybody to, to grab onto 
this as quickly as you can and employ it as consistently as you can is to start approaching your life and your internal life, especially with curiosity. Be curious, be extremely curious when you say something, when you do something, or when you feel pushed to make a certain decision over another one, get very curious about why and allow yourself to explore for a moment before you just go to your default settings, right? Cause we all have our default settings and your body and your brain and your nervous system. And every part of you is always just going to want to like go into the default, start getting curious about your defaults. Where did they come from? Why are you doing that? Are they still serving a purpose in your life? So that's what I would say is like the most like broadly applicable, no matter what part of your life you are trying to work on or unlearn curiosity is going to be your number one tool to turn to. And as soon as you can start getting very curious and that that's going to help you get in touch with all those answers to those questions you're asking, then you can start turning to, all right, let's start building that person that I'm becoming because I'm realizing now this is aligned with my true self, or this isn't aligned with my true self. Right. So that's what I think I'm going to, mm-hmm. No, I think when we're linking that to enmeshment, it's interesting where your curiosity might bring up a lot of information that if you're like, well, I wonder why I feel like I can't move. I wonder why I feel like I can't. Curiosity is a perfect tool for unlearning enmeshment. Yeah, that's actually why I was, you know, piggybacking off of you with the idea of like, one of the best prompts I've ever came up with, with get that curiosity. And I actually tell this a lot to my clients is I say, start using, I wonder Mm -hmm. literally, I wonder fill in the blank. So when you are dealing with the measurement, I know we're, by the way, this is a thematic, this is an anchored thematic theme in unlearning guys. So it's not just linked to a measurement. It's literally anything you can use it for any type of self-growth. Okay. But in regards to the episode, we're talking about when you get curious about why you feel like these weird anchored bonds that you're like, but I literally don't even care about this. Like, why do I feel as though I can't speak my mind? How, why can't I feel like I'm an individual? Yes, I wonder why. Right. If you, all of your family members are obsessed with I don't know, something stupid. Like they're obsessed with football. I usually use football, right? They're all obsessed with football. Okay. And you've been told your whole life, we're a football family. We're Mm -hmm. a football family. You have to come, right? Like they're all like hardcore, all, you know, season passes. Okay. You realize eventually that if you really don't like football, you're going to have to be an outlier. And so then you have a choice. And you have to ask yourself, I wonder why I feel like I'm literally being suffocated by not being able to say, hey, guys, I'm not going to the game. Hey, guys, I'm not going to come over Sunday. I actually want it to be a rest day. I don't want to spend five hours in front of a TV, right? I like football, but I absolutely want people to understand even this is not all like, by the way, nothing's all or nothing. But this concept of, hey, there might be some times, mom, that I'm going to come over for football. There might other be t- there might be other times where I don't. Neither well, and this, of those are. This rejected. is a this is a great way to get an understanding of if you're dealing with a healthy family system or an unhealthy family system. The test difference alert. between yes, this is a good test. The difference between like 
toxic enmeshment versus like healthy camaraderie would be if you do individualize and you make a decision that kind of goes against the, the majority opinion of the family, do they alienate you? Do they belittle you? Do they make you feel othered? for that choice? Or do they just go, Oh, that's okay. Just come when you can. Or if you're here, you know, you're coming for the food, not the football. Like it's okay. Like just come hang out with us. You know, you don't get, you don't have to follow the football stats. Like that's fine. Like how does your family react or do they belittle you and alienate you and make you feel like there's something wrong with you for not participating in the family identity? this This is it guys. This is that moment where I'm sitting here and I go, this is such a good, when I say this test, I want you to hear, because it can be even more insidious than that. It might not be like outright alienation, like then don't come over at all. Right. Yep. It might be like, (laughs) I don't know how to explain this other than this like super low key judgment on the alternative. Right. So ready. I'm going to show it with CA. Okay. Football Sunday, everybody's invited, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you text the group, Hey, I won't be there. You know, I got something going on side text, right? Um, what's going on? Why are you not coming on Sunday? Right. And then you text back what lazy Sunday. What, what are you texting back? Yeah. I just, I need a reset. I don't feel like, I just don't feel like coming. I'm tired. I don't want to be ready. ready? But like, but what are you doing? (laughs) No, let me, this is a, but no, seriously, I'm going to mimic, but what are you doing though? CA I'm staying home so that I can rest. Okay. This is what I'm trying to explain to you. Is it alienation? Mm, I don't think it's alienation. It is something else. It is this weird, like you owe me an explanation for your time. And I literally feel as though you're obligated. If you do not show up to the family system, which is let's say Sunday's family day and you don't show up, you have to have a family or matriarch or patriarch or whatever, or system, by the way, this can be in greater systems. This can be like, oh, did yeah. you hear that she's not coming because she wants to sleep on her couch? Like, are you fucking get, like, I seriously, I'm telling you, they like, then it becomes this weird judgment of like, oh, so she's like, so she gets to take a nap, but like, we're gonna, right. And I, I tell you like, why we say this is a test is because sure, you are not being overtly alienated. Okay whoever's on the other side of this, this can also happen in friend groups. I need you guys to understand, please think in themes. It's not just in family systems. This can happen in friend groups. This can happen in intimate partnerships, right? This can happen in any type of system where there's a discrepancy of like autonomy. Okay. And so what I want you to hear CA is like, I didn't nest outright alienate you. I didn't say, well, then never come over again. Right. What I did was I covertly alienated you behind the scenes. You had no idea. So I said, so you eventually say, I'm literally relaxing on my couch. And then I say, fine, I'll text you later. Right. Then I say, then everybody shows up to my house. I'm just, I'm just going to outline how this shows up. Okay. Then everybody shows up to my house and I'm hosting the football and I go, and they go, where's CA? And I go, you, you won't believe like, she literally is just, she's just apparently sleeping on her couch. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I, I it would be nice to be that lazy. Oh gosh. Like, do you yeah. see how and I then just... in future interactions where you are there, you're going to get dug into, they're going to do these weird, like 
the passive aggressive digs at you. So it'll be like, they'll be planning like the next one. Right. So they'll say something like, Oh yeah. Okay. So we'll see you guys all next Sunday. I mean, unless you're going to be sleeping on a couch or something. Right. And they'll like make this weird dig and you're like, I told you I was coming. Okay. Well, you might choose to sleep on a couch instead, you know, and it just becomes this weird and it's like done in humor, but you're like, oh my gosh. And so it starts to make you feel like you're never allowed to deviate from the whatever. Otherwise you just become the butt of. And this is where, this is where that black sheep develops. And this will like lead us into one of our next episodes, but where black sheep develops. I always tell people like, if you are a black sheep, I mean, yeah, some people can do messed up stuff, but like sometimes black sheeps are just done. They're just (laughs) done with the drama. I'm serious. It's true. They're like, I'm not going to deal with the stupid drama. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to be exactly who I want to be because let me just outline something. Okay. We're not going to go into black sheep drama right now, but what that person did, who's advocating for their Sunday, they're acknowledging that they don't like football. They're acknowledging that if they go to that football event or that little family gathering, they'd either be resentful towards themselves that they went because they didn't honor their own decisions, or they're going to be like phoning it in, right? They'll have to fake it, right? So if you're actually authentic and connected to your authentic self, you really Mm -hmm. might say, all right, I'm literally willing to risk that alienation for my own authentic self, for my own Mm -hmm. autonomy. And if my family or if my friend group can't handle that, then it is what it is. That is the point. It's like, I get that this causes hardship. This is what we, we, Mm -hmm. I want to end on for you guys. Like both CA and I know that self-growth, one of the collateral damages of self-growth is that there are radical changes in dynamics of families. Yes. And friendships and partnerships. Yes. There is, and I don't even want to say collateral damage because sometimes it's necessary. It's, it's, it's the only way Mm-hmm. for there to be healing of self is mm-hmm. that think about enmeshment. If enmeshment is a blurring of boundaries, the only way to heal that is to, in theory, create a line that wasn't there before. Do yes. you think that's comfortable? No one's used to it. No, no one in that it. family system is accustomed to it. So they're not going to know how to behave around a boundary. They're just going to, they're, for a very long time, push against it. Um, but you want to know what they're like toxic family systems. Some of them might be like, some of them might be overt about it, but like what we just outlined. Okay. The line in the sand is I, I need to go rest on my Sunday. I'm not going to go to the football game or whatever. Okay. It's the family system that says, okay, well, we're not going to like overtly hurt you, but we're going to continually poke the bear. We're going to continually make you feel othered. Mm-hmm. And that is what they're hoping is hopefully you'll go back into the fold. Hopefully. Yes. Okay. We'll give you this one Sunday, but then when we make fun of you later and say, well, you could also just sleep on a couch, right? Talk about weaponizing humor, our last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of it's, you have a choice now. Think about this. Listen to my words. You have a choice. They might continually try to poke at your pain 
to poke at, like to hurt you overtly or covertly, whatever. It is your choice to remain true to your authenticity, to advocate for self. Mm -hmm. That is what we're getting to because enmeshment is painful to unlearn. It is. It's a really hard one to unlearn. And it's very complex because it has crept into most likely nearly every aspect of your personhood, you know, your, your, your personality, the choices you make, where you live, how you work, what career you went into, what religion you're in, blah, blah, blah. Like it's probably permeated into a lot of different parts of you, some of which you may authentically identify with and others you don't. And so again, it's going to take a lot of curiosity, a lot of digging into your, into your reasons why you do certain things. And it's a big shift. So be patient, be patient, be authentic. I think that is the key point is because people think, oh, so I throw out everything that my family ever taught me. Remember, we don't speak in absolutes. It's not black or white. So like CA just said, if your family is really into football and you like football now, okay, you like football now. That's your choice. You go to the games freely and willingly and you want to be there. Okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then your family's really into soccer or something and you don't like that. Okay. Then you don't like it. You you see what I'm saying? Now you're delineating the self and you're just claiming the parts back that you previously said, well, I kind of just like mindlessly walked into those games. It's like, well, then we're not doing that anymore. Yes. That's it. We're just not doing that anymore. And we're being patient with learning those differences. You're learning it slowly, just like the skills and you're being patient and kind with yourself. Preach. All right. (laughs) That's where we'll we'll leave it. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work